0: Good morning, church. So good to be with you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Gary Osborne. I'm on staff here. And as I was just thinking about the songs we were singing, it's like, ah, my life has been transformed by Jesus and I'm free. And that's why I get to stand here and share what Christ has done in my life. And I think about these men and women that we've been talking about this summer, these unsung heroes. Their lives were transformed by being Um, around Jesus and by being connected to the Father. And so they lived a different life. It was their faith that was able to grow. This summer, that's kind of been my prayer for the church, that we would hear these little stories, these tidbits of men and women whose faith were expanded and they lived differently, that that would become part of our life, that we would grow in our trust in the Lord as we study these men and women, that our trust would grow deeper and deeper. We'd have a stronger faith because we had seen how God worked in the lives of these people. This morning, we're going to take a look at maybe a character that's been overlooked in the New Testament. And I'm going to share this story with you because this story has had an enormous impact on my personal journey with Jesus, on my life and how I've gotten to the place that I'm at. So if you want to grab a Bible, if you have your tablet, or if you want to grab one in front of you, you can turn to Mark 14. Mark 14 is in the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so Mark's kind of right in there towards the back of the Bible. This is one of the few stories that actually shows up in all four of the Gospels. Some have a sentence or two about it. Some have an expanded version. But I wanted to land here in Mark 14 because it's one that almost leaves the woman with a little bit of mystery. And you might not know exactly who she is until you do a little further study. So this story is located in the context of opposition, misunderstanding, and the impending suffering of Jesus. The religious leaders were plotting to kill Jesus, and Judas is conspiring with them. So we're going to kind of look at the bookends of Mark 14, kind of 1 through 11, and we're going to really hone in on 3 through 9 today. So here it is in Mark 14, 1 and 2. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. So right now you can see that the religious leaders, they're they're done with him. Jesus has had a three-year ministry going on now. There's people who are following him. They're pulling them away from from the religious leaders of the time and they're frustrated and want to end it now so that they can go back to the power that they have. And then you're also going to see that one of Jesus's closest followers, one of the 12, Judas, is right in the midst of the conspiracy. So in verse 10, if you flip down, it says, then Judas Iscariot, who is one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they had heard it, They were glad and promised to give him the money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. So that's just where we are in the story. And we have this beautiful little passage of a woman whose life has been transformed, who loves Jesus in an incredible way and expresses it to him. And so that's what's kind of going on as we, as we get into the text. And I think it's a really important thing to understand that like at this point, lots of followers, things are changing, momentum's building, so they want to end it. Yet there's this woman that we're going to get to experience whose life was transformed, who does this beautiful thing to Christ. So verse 3. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now, this is a great picture of what happens when someone is just radical for the kingdom of God. This um, was a very expensive bottle of perfume. The NIV renders it saying it was a year's worth of wage, some translators say it's Translations say 300 denarii. So this was very, very expensive. I was doing a little research um, about the median household income in Erie, Colorado today. So let's just think about this. This jar of perfume, according to what I looked, is worth $125,000 today. So just keep that in your mind. The dollar amount isn't important. The understanding is it's very expensive. Think about for your family or for yourself, what does it cost us a year? What do we make a year? And that's the value of this jar. But it's probably even more than that because it was probably a family heirloom that was passed from generation to generation. Most likely it came from India. It was an export. This was something very, very special. And so just hold that in the back of your mind as we talk about the woman's actions. If you read this account in the book of John, we learn that the woman here is actually Mary. And in your mind, you're like, hey, there's a lot of Marys that I know in the Bible. It's not Mary, the mother of Jesus, nor is it Mary Magdalene. This is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And so, if you remember, there's a few different accounts that Mary shows up. She first shows up in Luke 10, and in Luke 10, she's with her sister Martha, and they're preparing a meal. And Martha's in the kitchen, and she's working, and she's doing all this work. And Mary is found at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus points out that what mary has done is she has chosen the better to sit and to to be in the presence of the lord she had this deep understanding of of who the lord was and then at the same time or the next encounter we get with them is when her brother lazarus dies remember lazarus was sick and so they went to jesus and they said jesus could you come and save our brother he is really sick and jesus stayed and ministered for a few days and then when he arrived arrived at the scene the sisters, Mary and Martha, said, if you only would have come, you could save his life. And what we learn in the story is Jesus had other plans. It's one of those scenes where we see that Jesus actually wept at that scene. That's that verse that many of you kids have memorized out there. Jesus wept, right? That's the account. And so Mary is there in this scene, and so she's seen the power of Christ as Christ heals her brother and raises him from the dead. And so it's a really important thing to understand Mary and her journey that we get a little bit of a glimpse of as we get to the story. So we see her at the feet of Jesus. We see her at the scene where Jesus resurrects her brother. And so she's had these encounters with Christ that have transformed her life. And I think that's an important thing to think about for us here as we gather today. When Jesus gets a hold of your life, you do crazy things because you love him. So much that you have, you are compelled with this love for Christ that it causes you to do things that you not would not normally do, and so here we are in the scene where she is loving Christ so much, and so if we go back to your Bibles in uh, fourteen three, it says this. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was rec- reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard. Very costly, she broke the flask and poured it over his head. As, as Ben read earlier from the NIV, it gives us an amount. It was like 300 denarii, or a year's worth of wage. I did a little research here in Thornton, and a year's wage is or a, a, the gross... Income, the family income, the median family income here in Thornton is about $80,000 a year. I don't know what all of you make or what your family is bringing in, but think about that number and what it equates to for you. And I just think about, okay, a year's worth of wage, would I be willing to break and pour over my Savior's head? Or anything. This is what I find just unique about this story and the story of this woman is she took something that was probably a family heirloom, probably something that was passed down from generation to generation. It was a prized possession in the family house, and she grabbed it, she broke it, and she poured it over Christ to get ready for his burial. For his burial. So this is what we do when we when when Christ has gotten a hold of our lives. Is there's things that we've done that are that are are unique that are looked at by an unbelieving world as seen as irrational or crazy or something that we shouldn't be doing and because we have been transformed by christ that's what happens that's what we learn in romans uh, 12 it says this therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All of life is worship. Everything that we do should be worshiping our Lord and Savior. And this is what she understood. And so she saw an opportunity, and she was compelled to worship the Lord, to acknowledge him as king, and to say, I love you, and this is what I can do in this moment. So if we go back to the text, let's look at what it says here in verse 4. It says this, there were some... Who said to themselves indignantly, "Why was the ointment wasted like that? For the ointment could have been sold for more than three hundred denarii and given to the poor." And they scolded her. So here's even Jesus's closest followers, those who were surrounding him. Some might say this was a line from Judas. So his his heart was in a different place. But he was looking. Look at what could have been done. What a waste. That's a phrase that I have kind of thought about personally in my own life about what a waste people from who don't really know what it means to follow christ might think about us as christians as followers of christ i don't know if many of you know my story but um i i showed up at the university of colorado when i was about 18 years old wanting to be an architect it was my life dream when i uh when i even in high school i would apply i would I went to, here's 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 the geekiness that I was. I would go to school early, about an hour and a half early. I would sit in the architecture room, and I would do independent study architecture. Anytime there was a competition for architecture, I would apply for it, even when I was 15, 16 years old, because that's just what I wanted to do. I was able to go through every single class that they offered at my high school for architecture, and then they uh, also... Um, allowed me to do independent studies to continue to get credits. It was just what I went to do. I came to CU with that goal in mind. I worked internships. I found opportunities. I was working in firms, and I graduated college, and I moved back to California to be an architect, and I found this incredible firm that was doing super fun projects, and I was in the heart of, of growing and being an architect. And then Calvary called me and they said, would you like to come and be an intern in our student ministry department? I said, architect, student ministry intern. Oh, and coupled with that, you could also be the janitor as well to be full-time. And so this was the dilemma that I had to go through in my mind. And I said no for six months. And Calvary kept calling me month after month after month. And then they said, hey, would you pray about it? And so I felt like, okay, I'll I'll pray about it. I know the answer. And then the Lord began to turn my heart. And a few months later, I said, okay, I'll come out. I thought I would be here a year and then I would go back to living my dream as an architect. So 24 years later, here I am standing in front of you and get to share what Christ has done in my life. And in the midst of that, why I share that story is I had many people say, hey, you used to dream about being architects. architect. You did internships. You worked as a mailroom mailboy and did the mailroom at the architecture firm. All these things, what a waste that much have been, must have been. Your education that you did, what a waste. The opportunity that you had could have had to make really good money. What a waste. And I think that's what happens when a world looks at those who follow Christ and say, why are you wasting your time going to church? Why did you waste your week helping out in kids for kids' week? Why do you waste your time investing in middle school students? Why do you lead that Bible study? Why do you give sacrificially? Why do you do this? They just don't understand. It's because what Christ has done in our lives and our hearts— it compels us to live differently because we see that our whole life is now Worship what good is it for a man to gain the whole world? But let yet lose his soul Like that's what it's all about friends is that we want to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to the lord And so the outside world and unbelieving world people do, who have not been transformed by the love of christ Do not understand and they would look and say what a waste Now, it's not just my story. It's a lot of different stories that I see and how people have been transformed by Christ. And they're like, I need to do something else. I need to live in this. Just this week, I don't know if this congregation is fully aware, but Justin stepped onto the team full time. Justin had an incredible career. Yeah, you can give a hand to him because he... He's living this passage out, friends, like he had this career path where he was being super successful and over the last few years being able to journey with Justin, he's been saying, I just think there's more to me. I think I want to give my life work to vocational ministry. And so I guess August 1st was your first day of being full time away from your, your secular career path into, into ministry for his, for his life. What an incredible thing that the Lord has done in that. And I'm not saying that that's what it's all about. I hope you don't hear that. It's more than that. It's what this woman did. She broke the alabaster jar to worship the Lord. And so wherever you are and whatever you are doing, how do you, does an unbelieving world see you as wasting it for the kingdom of God? Because that's what I see this woman doing is that she loved the Lord so much that she was willing to waste her life for his sake or waste the gift or waste the perfume for the sake of the kingdom of God. When we are radical for Jesus, the world thinks that we're wasting our lives, our money, our time and our resources. That's what we want to be about. So let's go back to the text and continue to, to look at what, what we have here. Because so There's four phrases I want to give you. The first one is waste and what we, what, why the waste. The second one comes in the next, the next verse here, verse 6. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done, done a beautiful thing to me. What a great picture. When the world is saying, what a waste, Jesus says, leave her alone. The king of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things together is at your side defending you because you are doing the things that bring him glory. You are doing a beautiful thing is what he says to her. That's a great picture is that you are are giving up of yourself and it's a beautiful thing to him. And he says, leave her alone. Let that sink in for just a minute. Leave her alone her alone she did a beautiful thing for me matthew 10 says this so everyone who acknowledges me before men i will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men i will also deny before my father who is in heaven what a great picture when the world is confused. When other people don't understand, when you are compelled, even inside the church. Remember, these were the disciples that were confused about why she would do this. It could have been used for so many things. But when you're compelled to worship the Lord, it might confuse people. And Jesus says, leave him, leave her, leave them alone because they are doing a beautiful thing. The king of the universe is defending you, is supporting you, is encouraging you. So why the waste? Leave her alone. And verse three is found in the next ten. And the next verse says this. Verse uh, seven says, "For you always have the poor with you, and w- whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. What a great phrase! Is she did what she could do." I will just encourage you to think about that. She did what she could do. This, is a, this was a huge thing in my own personal development of thinking about what the Lord had in store for me because I was around incredibly talented people. All my life, the Lord has put men and women who are fantastic, doing incredible things for the kingdom of God. And it was really easy to get eyes of comparison instead of knowing what the Lord really wanted out of me. We are all uniquely gifted with different skills and talents to use those for the kingdom of God. And this woman did what she could do to worship the Lord. She broke the alabaster jar. She poured the very expensive perfume on the head of of Jesus before his burial. That's what she could do to worship him. What can you do? Like I think of incredible people like like Zach, who's an incredible communicator and he's so clean. I have a friend at the um, Erie campus, Thomas, who you get to hear every once in a while. And the Lord has really anointed him with with great abilities to to be really transparent and authentic as he communicates. And I have incredible people that just serve in so many different capacities. And it's easy to look and say, Lord, why don't I have those gifts? Why aren't I able to do those things? But that's not what the Lord has required of us. He wants us to do what we can do. The way that he's wired us, the gifts and talents that we have, he's asked us to use those for the the kingdom of God. And so we don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else. All we need to do is to worship the Lord with the gifts that he's given us. That's what it's all about. It's I need to be obedient to what the Lord has called me to do. We think about the the story of the 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 manager and the and those who gives um, the talents to. Right? He's like, I want you to go steward these talents. And to one, he gives five talents, and that one went and invested, and he brought five back to the Lord. And Jesus said, "Well done, good and faithful sir, uh, servant." Then there was another. He gave two to, and those the one he gave two to, he went and he invested those, and he brought he took the two and he brought two more back. And Jesus said. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then there was also the one uh, that ha- was given one, and he went and buried it and hid it, right? And he came back to the Lord, and, or the master, and the master said, what have you done? And he said, well, I knew you were a harsh um, master, and I didn't want to basically disappoint you. And he said, you missed the point. Like, you missed it. You hid it instead of at least putting it in the bank where it would have earned some interest do something with it you wicked away he says to him away from me you wicked and evil servant see our desire our hope is to hear those words that says well done good and faithful servant my encouragement is to all of us who gather here today to know that the lord has given you gifts and talents and passions and excitement and abilities to serve him in the kingdom my encouragement is to use them. After this service here this morning, we're going to have a a Serve and Connect Expo, which is an opportunity to see the different ways you can serve here in the church and to serve in the community and to say, okay, Lord, what are you asking me to do? Maybe you've never stepped outside and, and served in any capacity. This might be the year you say, I want to contribute to the work that's happening here in Thornton. I want to, I want to share the the love of christ with the community that i am i want to i want to minister to little kids i want to raise up disciples i want to pass on my faith to the next generation whatever the lord's prompting in your heart my encouragement is this would be an opportunity to step into something by faith and through obedience to to honor the lord and do what you can do right the woman wasted the perfume jesus says leave her alone she, done, she did a beautiful thing. She did what she could do. No one's asking you to do any more. The Lord isn't asking you to do any more than what you can do. He's just asking you to do what you can do to worship him. And then it finishes with this incredible phrase. It says, and truly I say to you, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her that to me is, is motivation and encouragement in my own life. That there might be a glimpse of an opportunity that, that I might may, be able to make an impact on someone's life that would then continue to carry on the gospel from generation to generation to generation. That's what I think about when I hear that, that whenever the gospel is preached, what she did will be told in memory of her, that the way she worshiped the Lord will be carried on. At it, it, our Erie campus, I was doing student ministries for many years. And there was an incredible family named Kirk and Lisa Gaskins who are still part of that church. And when we didn't have a building... Uh, We met in the high school, and then I was doing student ministries, and they opened up their home for us. And so the Gaskins would invite all these teenagers into the home. It started off pretty small, and by the time we were done, we were meeting in five different homes across the area because of what the Gaskins had been obedient doing by opening up their home. But they were unique in how they hosted, and all the groups would start there and end there, and they would have a refrigerator full of sodas. I mean, whatever you wanted, it was there. Like, I'm telling you, they would go shopping every week, and they would, I mean, there would be about 100 kids who would show up in their half house, another 25 staff, and it was, everyone could have as many sodas as they wanted, it felt like. And they also would feed the staff dinner beforehand. So they would all come from work, and the Gaskins would make them dinner. Even Sundays after church, the, the volunteer team would also go up to the over to the Gaskins' house. And what's really fun is to think about their story and their contribution to the kingdom. And for those of you know, there's, there's an incredible woman sitting over here named Sam Tenten, Tentenkite. I think I got that right. I used to know her as Sam Cole when she was in, in high school, but she lived two doors down from the Gaskins. And she would walk over to their house, not being connected to a church. And I think that's part of her journey is where she met Jesus. And so now Sam is serving on our team here at Calvary Bible Church because of the obedience of Kirk and Lisa Gaskins of opening up their home. It's such an incredible thing to think about. They didn't know what they were doing when they said, hey, let me do this for the kingdom of God. And they were obedient. They fed the staff. They had sodas for everyone. And Sam's life was transformed. And Sam is now on an is serving the kingdom of God in a unique way. This is what we want to be about, is that maybe we might have a little bit of an impact in someone's life. And so now when maybe Sam tells her story, she's reminded about Kirk and Lisa Gaskins, how they opened up to their home, how she could have whatever soda she wanted every week, and it was just a place of safety and refuge because of their obedience. And then when the gospel is preached, what they have done will be told, from generation to generation. That's what I see here in this story, is this woman was so compelled that she loved, her life was transformed from the things that she saw in the life of Christ, it was transformed. And because her life was transformed, she was compelled to worship him in this extravagant way where she worshiped him by wasting this this alabaster jar. And the Lord said to her, leave her alone. She did what she could do. And because of her obedience and her extravagant worship, wherever the gospel is preached, she will be remembered for what she did. Amen? So good to be with you. Thanks for listening. Let's pray as we continue to worship the Lord this morning. Father God, I thank you that we get to gather as your church and your people in uh, in this incredible space, Lord. Father, I have such fond memories of being out here on the lawn a couple years ago and also gathering um, last summer as well in this space, Lord. Lord, I think that you are... I know that you are so good and that you are at work amongst your people. And, Father, I pray over the course of the next year that the the people here in Thornton will be impacted by this community of believers, that they will see that their love for you is so great that they will be astonished about the things that they are willing to do for the sake of your kingdom, Lord God. May the outside world look at this community and just wonder with amazement the way that they live their life for you, Lord God. And may they impact this community and see lives change for eternity because of their faithfulness, their obedience, and their their extravagant worship, Lord. We love you in your name. Amen.